Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava with Jesse Romero, two man car. We are 10 8. We're open for. For calls and we're we're going to bring you some uh, catholic intel good morning jesse how you doing Re- reporting for duty ruben i am 10 8 and ready to go a lot to talk about today one of the things uh one of the things we've been about jesus 911 we try to do we talk about the spiritual but we also talk about the the worldly the things that affect us so mm-hmm. it's a combination of both <clears throat> the first yes, thing sir. we want to talk yeah the first thing we want to talk about is the way uh the second Roman Catholic uh, Christian president is probably running the worst country we've ever seen in our lifetime. That's embarrassing. And I'll tell you one thing, Ruben. I've noticed that when a baptized Catholic, when he totally surrenders himself to Jesus Christ and pursues a life of holiness, you get people like Maximilian Colby, Padre Pios, St. Mother Teresa's, uh, St. Faustina. That's what it produces. But when you get a baptized Catholic that blasphemes the name of God by his actions and that spurns the holy law of God, you get people like Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, and Joe Biden. In other words, Ruben, the Catholic Church, when it comes to people that are visible and in leadership, it produces both extremes. Yeah. And we're seeing this in our lifetime. I, I never thought that. We'd see this this country being taken down from from within. You know, there's just it, it, you have to shake your head. Like, is it, am I really living through this? And we are living through some strange times. You know, um, like Book of Revelation times. You know, it just <laughs> Ruben really and and there really is no safe place to run. I know people say, "Oh, I'm going to move over here, move over there." It's it's spreading everywhere like cancer. Yeah, every state is fighting communism and, and socialism. You know, some states just ha- have it a little higher fever than other states, but it, it's this is something that we're fighting nationally. I would even argue we're fighting this around the world. Yeah, this is especially bad in California, New York, those t- traditional uh, blue states, and um, we got to hang in there, man. We got to band, of together, course, band together and and uh, get get around like minded people and, and put a and put your foot down, man. Draw a line in the sand. Say, look, that's it, man. Well, I'm, yeah. I am not going to take this anymore. That's right. Hey, Ruben, let me mention a little bit about Obama. Obama's car czar, his name's Steve Ratner. Mm-hmm. He's blaming Biden, not Putin, for inflation and skyrocketing gas prices. So that's the first thing I want to, we want to talk about. Steve Ratner, who was the lead advisor and former president of Barack Obama's task force on the auto industry, he knows Joe Biden. He says Joe Biden is responsible for the historic 7.9 inflation rate and skyrocketing gas prices, not Russian President Vladimir Putin. Right. Yep. So Steve Ratner, he tweeted, he said, this is Biden's inflation and he needs to own it. Steve Ratner and a number of other Obama administration senior officials, including former National Economic Council Director Larry Summers, have consistently warned about the Biden administration's ability to reverse inflation and lower prices for consumers. In other words, they're saying that he could do it, but he just won't. So Stephen Ratner, who wrote for the New York Times an article, he heavily 
criticized Biden for blaming supply chain problems for rising prices and being outright disingenuous in discussing how much his economic policies, specifically Biden's now canned Build Back Better social spending legislation would contribute to the deficit. Ruben, there seems to be infighting amongst the Dems. Yeah, that's all you heard in during the election, Build Back Better. And it was a talking point. Everybody was using that, you know, every major news source. They You, you hear little snippets, Build Back Better. And, and, and uh, you don't hear that anymore because nothing's getting built and nothing's better, <laughs> you know. So... Yeah, the White House, uh, you know, Steve Ratner says the White House needs to be more honest as it rolls out the, their initiatives. It's promised a robust antitrust enforcement, but while that is long overdue, it will have no discernible impact on the competition or prices for years. And this is somebody who knows about uh, business, you know, and, um, and the high prices of meat and hearing aids, both of which Mr. Biden has vowed to address, are not at the heart of the current problem. Mm. He says uh, the Biden administration needs to shift its approach in particular to with the economy steaming along. It should make deficit reduction as important as its other initiatives. You know, so he is he is being disingenuous. Um and then uh, announcing uh, since announcing his ban on Russian energy imports, Biden and other top white official White House officials have sought to frame the historic increase in domestic gas prices up more than 75 cents since Russia invaded Ukraine as the Putin spike. Yeah, right. And that that's t- typical of these leftists. You know, they they always deflect. They never want to take responsibility for what's happening. I mean, you saw that during Obama's time. You know, we saw the, you know, the Benghazi stuff, everything that they touched, they destroyed and they, they um, and they just lie about everything. Ruben, I, here's also here's something interesting. I mean, coming from a Catholic perspective, here's where we see the classic effects of the of the fall. Uh, classic Adam and Eve behavior. Shift the blame. <laughs> deny any responsibility for your actions. This is just like dishonest junior high school behavior that we're seeing from the president. Yeah, yeah. His concupiscence is on display. Yeah, Adam. Hey, that woman you gave me, you know, she she she, she caused me to fall. Yeah, that's uh, that's Biden, and I I I just don't think he knows what's going on. What's going on? He's not even in charge. So, uh, but let me read this one sentence yeah. here where it says. February's CPI report said yearly inflation jumped to 7.9%, the highest mark since 1982. Just remember that when it comes time to voting, people, okay? Yeah. That the White House attributed largely to a 3.5% increase in energy prices. Once again, he's he's given us the worst economy since 1982 and he's saying, no, it's not my fault. That's because of rising energy prices. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you cut off the you cut off uh, our independence, our oil independence, uh, and now you're making us dependent on oil overseas. Pretty simple. Yes. Yeah. And um, anyway, there, there's also uh, another story we want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Let's. The Democrats are losing uh, support. They're losing support on the main issues, and and uh, it was a Wall Street Journal found that that that. Democrats and President Joe Biden are losing popularity on many topics voters care about most. And uh, as long as we get a as long as we get a fair election, uh, we're, we're, the Republicans are going to smoke them. Uh, the pe- companies uh, people are fed up with this. 
you know, minorities are are coming over to the Republican side in droves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The journal reported that the new survey showed that 57% of voters remain unhappy with Mr. Biden's job performance despite favorable marks for the president's response to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine and recent State of the Union speech. So uh, only 42% said they approved of Biden's performance as president, which was fairly similar to the journal's poll last year, which showed 41% of voters approving. I can't imagine anyone approving what he's doing. Anyway, um, they also showed a, a dip in approval on some key points, a 16% point Democratic edge on which party would best handle the pandemic was down to 11 points, um, while a 9% percentage point lead on the education issues was down to 5 points. Um, education, they they suck on education, Jesse. What they're push, pushing in the schools is is downright criminal. and Even the Democrats, Ruben, I've, I've read that even Democrat, liberal, progressive parents are saying, are you kidding me? Teaching my kid to masturbate? Yeah. No, this is the, you, you've crossed the line too far even for me as a liberal Democrat. And so even Democrats are turning against the president on the way he's handling education. Ruben, I, I, here's my take. I, I want I want to hear from you. I believe without a doubt that the last election was stolen. 100%. Now, yeah. Now, if they fix this, if we get, you know, what's called election integrity and we're able to shore up our voting systems, uh, this guy's ensuring his not only his defeat, he's going to get wiped out. He got I believe he got wiped out last time. It's going to be even by larger numbers at the rate this guy's governing uh, this guy, Ruben. And Kamala Harris are probably the worst president and vice president uh, sitting in the White House in uh, in 246 years of this country. I don't think I know uh, you can think of a worse pair of people sitting in the Oval Office. Yeah, I, I somebody posted a a picture of uh, Jimmy Carter, who has long been known as the worst president, and it, it, between him and Obama. But it's a picture of Jimmy Carter says, "You miss me yet." <laughs> oh my goodness yeah the article says that the journal added that more voters said that republicans had a better plan to improve the economy of course everybody knows that just look at uh the the economy under trump best economy that we've seen in 60 years for pollsters and democrats the question now becomes whether voters feelings about the current state of the country and president biden's strategy on key issues will impact where they cast their vote in 2022 midterm elections this fall. The journal added 46% of voters said they would back a Republican candidate for Congress if the election were today, compared with 41% who favored a Democrat, with Republicans gaining support amongst black and Hispanic voters since the last journal poll. Uh, Republicans saw a five-point advantage in the recent data, contrasted with the three-point advantage in November. Black voters reportedly favored a Democrat for Congress by 35 points. In the new poll, plummeting from 56 points in November, support for a Republican candidate rose to 27% amongst blacks, up from 12% in November. Right. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, the consecration next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're back to Matt Carr, Jesse Rubin, Jesus 911. Uh, hey, Jess, I don't know if uh, you, you saw this, uh, just put out to the, the viewers, too, that uh, in Wisconsin... The election investigation uh, finds that 50,000 phantom voters and 150,000 fake voters, among other fraud. <laughs> but, you know, nothing ever happens, you know. It's, it's, we, we hear that. We heard that in Arizona. We heard it in Georgia and uh, all those key swing states. And uh, so we got to get this thing right in November. Unbelievable. God help us. Yeah, you're right. Ruben, talking about the consecration that's going to happen uh, on Friday, uh, yeah. tomorrow. Um, uh, here's something that it just, I've been thinking about uh, musing in my own mind. There's been seven prior consecrations that have been done or seven prior popes that have done the consecrate, except I don't think Pope Benedict did it. Um, so Mm -hmm. if something has been consecrated, my question is, can it be reconsecrated? For example, if the Eucharist has been consecrated, it can't be reconsecrated. If a Catholic church has been consecrated, hmm. it can't be reconsecrated unless, of course, you know, satanic activity occurred there inside, then it, then it would be reconsecrated. But once something is consecrated, according to Catholic theology, it cannot be reconsecrated. So the only thing that I'm saying is that if, if, uh, if uh, Russia was validly consecrated, in the last seven consecrations, if they were done validly, then there would be no need for this consecration on Friday, which tells me that using just a little bit of deductive logic, it means that implicitly, implicitly, not explicitly, the Vatican is admitting by default that the consecration hasn't been done as per Our Lady's request. That's my only comment. Mm, yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah, it it does, and there's several you know books out that have um, said that Sister Lucia wasn't satisfied, uh, but then later on, you know, you know she 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 was in a um, she went to from the Sisters of Saint Dorothy's to um, you know to a Carmelite where she was you know put away and uh, was what are they what's that called again where they uh, Clo- cloistered cloistered yeah she was cloistered yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. You couldn't get to her to, to, to interview her. So it was, uh, you know, then towards the end, she did say, oh, it, it, she, she said it was done. It was done. But initially there's people and, uh, you know, I'm holding up a book here, Sister Lucia, Apostle of Mary's Immaculate Heart and, uh, Mark Fellows. And, you know, he, he writes in there that, uh, that, uh, Sister Lucia wasn't satisfied and, and you could read it for yourself, but, but you're right. So mu- yeah, so much has been written. I'm just saying, Ruben, if yeah. it's been done, then there, there would be no need for. So that, to me, this settles the question. It really does. Because I, if, if it had been done properly, there's no need for the, it to be done this uh, this Friday. So I think there's an implicit admission that it hasn't been done. And a lot of people say it wasn't done, done properly. I could give you a couple of names. Father Gabriel Amorth says it wasn't done properly. Uh, you, you got, uh, uh, Cardinal Burke, yeah. uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, Archbishop Vigano, uh, the famous Catholic historian in Europe, 
Dr. Roberto de Matei. Uh, you know, I, I, Mother Angelica. I can give you a, a bunch of names of people that have looked into into this. A Cardinal Paul Joseph Cordes. Uh, he was a, a German cardinal. There's a lot of people that said it wasn't done as per Our Lady's request. God willing, it's done as per Our Lady's request this Friday. I want to hope it. I, I want to believe it will be. Just this article. Yeah. Go ahead, just real, real quick on, on and some people are looking at that. They, they the Vatican put out the prayer that's going to be said. Yeah. And uh, some people are having issues with it. And um, I mean, uh, it's above my pay grade. But uh, the one troubling aspect of it is, is it uh, it says in there. This is what Pope Francis is going to say. Therefore, Mother of God and our Mother, to your Immaculate Heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves, the Church, and all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. So, like Russia and Ukraine are like an afterthought. Why? Why are we consecrating all humanity? I mean, they could do that at another time or later on in the prayer. But, and this is that towards the end, actually. And uh, yeah, I read it yesterday. You know, to me. At that that's that's of no consequence to me. If you, I mean that's when you're going to consecrate, uh, do a prayer of consecration. Obviously, all the people that are involved, all the human beings in Ukraine and Russia are going to be involved. Now, to me, it, it it it's it's like cherry on the cake. It's irrelevant if he wants to put in the words all humanity. To me, the game changer, Ruben, is to me the cash value. What what unlocks the grace of heaven is mentioning Russia, 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 and he's going to do it. So, and with all uh, the bishops, with all the bishops, yeah, in the world. yeah, with all the. If that's done, Russia. I don't care if he says China, Japan, if he says Russia, with all the bishops of the world, uh, the grace of God is going to open up from heaven like Niagara Falls, not because of. Of, of his merit, not because of personal holiness. It's because of his office. Remember, mm-hmm. a lot of prayers God answers is because of office, not because of merit necessarily. And so if he mentions Russia and that word consecrate, uh, this could be a game changer. If again, here's the if, if it's not too late. Mm-hmm. So that's always the caveat. Yeah. Ruben, this article says the Blessed Virgin Mary has appeared in France, Poland, and Ukraine to name only a very few countries that she has frequented many times to assist in the work of the Lord. Here's one. The Blessed Mary appeared at Pont Maine, France, on January 17, 1871. <clears throat> the purpose of her intercession was to bring an end to the Franco-Prussian War. The Prussian army turned back, amazed at her image, and the celestial display of power that they saw in the sky. What's the next one, Ruben? Uh, the Blessed Mother appeared at Rushiv, uh, Ukraine, and in other small villages in the western part of the nation on May 12, 1914. So that was, you know, May, we, May 13th is the day that she appeared in Fatima. So this is three years prior. She warned of the coming of World War I, of Russia going communist, and that Ukraine as a nation would suffer terribly for 80 years, but that it would be free ap- after that time. Third point, she she intervened, Our Lady intervened in Warsaw, Poland in, in the Russian-Soviet-Polish War in August 1920 to save Poland from communism. She appeared at that time as Our Lady of Czestochowa. She performed what is called the miracle on the Vistula. The Russian army turned back, amazed at her image and the celestial display of power they saw in the sky. 
<clears throat> the blessed, Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, the Blessed Mother returned to Holy Trinity Church and to many other little villages in the western U- Ukraine during 1987 and 1988. She did this as Our Lady of the Ukraine. The Blessed Mother Mary appeared to thousands of persons at a time the Holy Trinity Church at the Holy Trinity Church. She personally uh, spoke to each onlooker. The communist guards dropped their guns in, in stunned amazement and utter bewilderment, and hundreds or thousands were converted. These are things I had never heard of, Jesse. I, I know. This is, this is deep stuff. Uh, next point. The Blessed Mother has come back to Rushiv many times. That's Rushiv in Ukraine. Uh, many times since then, during the period of 2003 to 2005 in particular, the secular press has no interest in reporting these, these things, these apparitions. An authoritative text <clears throat> on the earlier apparitions at Rushiv is, is Yosef Terelia. It's a book called Witness to Apparitions and Persecution in the USSR, an autobiography. The faith in Ukraine apparently is very deep and abiding. <clears throat> now it is time to turn our attention to the greatest and perhaps the most historic Marian apparition of modern times, that of the Blessed Mother's appearance on earth as Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. The events of the 20th century and even of the current century can be explained by the profound messages she imparted at Fatima to three small children on July 13, 1917. Yeah, she's, the relevant message of Fatima is that Russia would become a communist country and that it would continue to spread her errors throughout the world unless and until it was consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The popes tried several times to consecrate Russia during the past century. The most noteworthy effort was by uh, St. Pope John Paul II on March 25th, 1984. The most important prophecy in the message of Fatima for our current purposes, again, first provided on July 13, 1917, is the following. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me. It will be converted, and a certain period of peace will be granted to the world. Pope Francis is scheduled to conduct another consecration of Russia together with Ukraine this coming Friday, March 25, 2022, at 5 p.m. in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The bishops of the world are invited to join in the consecration. The director of the Holy See Press Office, Matteo Bruni, said in a statement, uh, quote, the same act on the same day will be performed in Fatima by Cardinal Conrad Krajewski, papal almoner, end quote, who is he's being sent there by the Pope. And the Ukraine bishops in a letter asked the Pope for this consecration. There must be a, a quote, union of bishops, end quote, worldwide for the consecration to be effective. I'm sure the Ukrainian people will join in prayer that day. Many other bishops in America have concurred in the plan for this coming Friday. Can you imagine how happy this will make our Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Mother? Again, this is spiritual warfare. Uh, This is spiritual warfare on a spiritual level that we've never seen before in our lifetime. Regardless of what you may hear about the military campaign in secular news from week to week, I think, Ruben, this could be a game changer. This could be a watershed moment in Catholic history, and you and I may be privileged to to actually live through this moment. Again, if done properly, and if it's not too late, and if done with all the bishops in the world, 
uh, Ruben, we could see we could see the reign of Mary in our lifetime. How does that look? I'm not really sure, but I know this. I'd rather live under the reign of Mary than under the reign of Biden. <laughs> yeah, 100, 100%. <laughs> if you go to the show page and you, you click on that article uh, at the bottom, it, it, it it's t- there's a link that says um, the diocese that are participating. Now, I looked at that and I, I, I didn't see my diocese there. So I'm going to call my, my bishop's office and say, hey, you know, L.A.'s in there. Orange County's in there. Where's San Bernardino Diocese? It's not listed in there. And they got... You know, all the dioceses across the United States that are participating. And uh, so it was glaringly absent. So going to have to. Uh, you got to make some noise. <laughs> we got to. So I would uh, recommend that you look that, that up and see if your your church is uh, your diocese is, is included. So we, we want this thing to take. Right, Jesse? We, we want everybody involved. <laughs> oh, Ruben. Ruben, we need this so bad. Mm-hmm. We, we need this so bad. I mean, uh, e- even with a lot of the, the the partial consecrations that have been done. You could already see a little bit of fruit here and there just in in, in, in Russia. Russia is not a, a communist country any longer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Putin's a saint, but it's not it's not the USSR of old. Hey, we want to talk about deathbed conversions next. Stick around. I think you're going to enjoy this. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Two-man car, and uh, we're on Soul Patrol, Jesse. We have a, a good article on uh, deathbed conversions. and Because um, we're all, we've all dealt with this, and we're going to deal with this, and... Uh... Yeah. There's people in our family that don't don't live in a state of grace, and uh, we've got some good news and some not so good news. Yeah, there's uh, several books out there that uh, that are you can pick up about different stories uh, where you know people have uh, come back to the faith at the at the end, and um, you know, that's what when we're sitting there knowing that we're going to our exit interview and that's uh that's got to be if you're not ready it's going to be it's it's going to be pretty alarming pretty shook up you're not going to be a, have a peaceful death but you know th- there's some famous people like John Wayne you know apparently had a, a deathbed conversion yeah um, yeah yeah he did Oscar Ruben, Wilde yeah there, there's an old latin phrase that uh that goes like this and I'll d- Talis vita finis ita, which means the way you live is the way you die. Yeah. That comes that goes all the way back to the early church fathers. Talis vita finis ita. The way you live is the way you die. Yeah. So what that means, if one lives well, a good death is likely with the grace of God. That that's what we pray in the in the rosaries. Mm-hmm. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. But those who live a sinful life are unlikely, not impossible. Everything's possible for God with people praying for the soul, obviously. But it's more it's more unlikely that if you live a sinful, wretched life to make a last minute conversion and die well. Not impossible, but not likely. So let's jump into this article, Ruben, and then we'll make some comments. All right. Uh, So. 
stealing heaven is probably not a good strategy. You're waiting for that uh, that last moment, you know. It's like uh, I, I remember hearing a comedian say, "Hey, uh, I, I keep seeing these uh, I keep seeing these churches called First Baptist Church." He goes, "When I see the last Baptist church, that's when I'm converting." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty that's a good one I, I, that's pretty good i'm gonna steal that line good that was george wallace george <laughs> wallace uh the comedian one of the splendid aspects of the faith that catholics embrace warmly is the deathbed conversion and it has deep roots in catholicism and satan getting cheated uh so to speak out of a soul at the last minute our blessed lord's uh parable about the workers who show up and labor for only the last hour but still receive a full day's wage deathbed conversion speak to the continual mercy of God straight up until the la- person's last breath. And even then in purgatory for those, yeah, who- let me, let me just Ruben, you're right. Uh, mo- mo- something that most Catholics don't realize that even purgatory, I mean, we don't deserve that. That is God's mercy. Even after death for our imperfections and defects. And, and that was, that does show the, the God's love and mercy for us. That saying, okay, you didn't die. Perfect. Uh, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to scrub you down before you enter heaven. People don't think about it, but purgatory is God's mercy post death. That's all I just want to add. Yeah, but we we, we don't want to aim just for the target. No, we aim for the bullseye. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, because some people say, you know, I'll just be happy to get to purgatory. No, no, no. You got to aim for heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us are gonna pass through purgatory, but aim for heaven. Aim to die in the state of grace. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah. And so uh, for those who appear as to us as if a deathbed conversion is their only hope, and we all know people like that, we should be praying absolutely. We have various examples of deathbed conversions to the faith. Beautiful stories of such last-minute come-from-behind victories. There's Dismas, the good thief, as well as John Wayne. And there's there's another one. Allow us to share it with you. And go ahead, just tell the story. This is an amazing story. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> there's a story that goes like this. There was once a brother and a sister who ra- who raised Catholic. The sister went off to be with a nun, to, to, uh, went off to be a nun, excuse me, and was sent to work with a very poor tribe in Africa. She had a hard life. The brother, whose name was John, fell away from the faith and lived an extremely sinful life, actually coming to despise the faith. This caused no end of sorrow for his sister, who offered all her sufferings up for his reversion. Eventually, she received word that her brother had died, and then she inquired if he had received last rites. She was told uh, that he had spit at the priest, yelled at him to leave the room, rolled his eyes towards the wall, and died. His sister was spiritually crippled by the news and mourned to our Lord how such a thing could happen after her life of sacrifices for his salvation. Now, owing to her great sorrow, and especially spiritual distress, our Lord appeared to her. He revealed to her what really happened that last moment of John's life, her brother. He showed her that, after he spit at the priest and turned towards the wall, a split second later, John died. Our Lord appeared to him with his sacred heart and said, John, will you spit on me now? John John said to our Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me, and died. Our blessed Lord revealed to the sister 
that it was her sufferings and sacrifices that had merited John, her brother, that final grace that he had been saved. That That is the Catholic story, Reuben, mm. if there ever was one about what we would call redemptive suffering for another person. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Our Lady of Fatima says that many people go to hell because they have no one to, to do uh, pray and do penance for them. So we we can help and we can join uh, with our Lord, like Jesse said, redemptive suffering. We can join our prayers and our sacrifices, you know, just as it says in Colossians uh, uh, one twenty four, and as St. Paul says it so, so clearly there. And uh, yet we're probably the only church, I think, uh, that I believe it, we're the only church that teaches redemptive suffering, you know. And because uh, I, I know that we were looking, I, I, was, I said this to a group of mixed uh, Catholics and Christians, and uh, a lot of people were looking at me like with like a uh, deer in the headlights like they hadn't heard this, especially the, the Protestants in the group, um, that uh, we can assist, you know, in bringing, you know, uh, the conversion of people because of our suffering. And, um, you know, but when we join it to to uh, our Lord's suffering and mom, mom always said that, you know, hey, just offer it up, offer it up. That, that's a, a, a that's common in Hispanic homes. Right, Jesse? Uh, your mom probably said the same thing. Offered oh, up, you know? yeah, absolutely, Reuben, and, and and it's even biblical. I forget it's in what in what passage. There's like two passages in the Bible where, uh, yeah, I've just found it. Uh, first uh, First Corinthians nine nineteen. I have become all things to all men that I might that I might save some. Notice what Paul says. I I I save them. How does Paul save them? Because he participates in redemptive suffering. That way Paul can tell the Corinthians, I save you. How can you save me? You're not Jesus. I save you when I enter into redemptive suffering because I unite myself with Christ. That's how I save you, Corinthians. So it is biblical, Ruben. Yeah, because yeah. we're in Christ. That's, that's what it is. We're in Christ. Bingo. <clears throat> so another story. Uh he says, my father told me when I was a young fellow, that this one involves the infamous Voltaire, the, the French Enlightenment writer who left his, this earth for eternity on May 30th, 1778. Voltaire was the toast of the town, a prolific writer, and the favorite of the P Parisian elites in the run-up to the French Revolution. It also greatly ridiculed the faith. He, he also ridiculed the faith and, and made such ridicule something a hallmark of his, despite being a baptized Catholic. So at one point, he fell desperately ill and was on what appeared to be his deathbed. So a priest was summoned and Voltaire received the last rites. Unfortunately, he recovered. <laughs> Unfortunately, he recovered. Mm -hmm. And once it back to his, his parties, uh, received insults and ridicule for submitting to the church after a career of mocking it, he went back to his ridicule. So sometime later, he was on his deathbed again, but this time he would not recover. Once again, a priest was dispatched, but this time... He was turned away, prevented from coming in by some of Voltaire's associates. The attending nurse reported that in his last moments, he died screaming. He saw the devil coming for him. And she said she would never attend the deathbed of an atheist ever again. Wow. Wow. What a, I, I never knew that story. I, you know, I knew Voltaire was an anti-Catholic, uh, you know, part of the French Enlightenment and all that. But I never knew how he died. I didn't. And Again, God, yeah, God will not be mocked, Jesse. And, um, you know, 
that's why i mean you know when we see that lazarus was was raised from the dead by jesus well you know he still had to die again so a lot of times we pray for that these people can live but if they're ready to go sometimes you say lord i mean your will be done because we don't know this might be the, the the last chance they get they go like what Voltaire did he gets healed and then he goes back to his old ways and I mean, I remember uh, a young a young uh, boy that was uh, killed. Uh, hit it, he was hit on his bicycle, run over. But he was uh, an altar server, you know, at the Latin Mass, and and the priest said, uh, you know, th- this was he di- he died having the 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 last rites of the church, and so who knows what could have happened later on if he fell away from the faith, as a lot of kids do when they get out of high school. They go to college and they lose their faith. And um, and so sometimes we have to look at it like that. You know, they died at the right time because God knows the right time for us. He wants what's best for us. Go ahead, Jess. And, but what's important, Ruben, in all of this is that, again, we can, through our prayers and sacrifices and penance, we can merit the grace of conversion and the grace of salvation for someone else in the body of Christ. This is what's... This is what Protestants don't have in their theology, and this is the advantage of being a Catholic Christian. Right. So, uh, uh, moving moving right along, uh, that Voltaire story just it just uh, yeah, this was riveting. Now, if there's no actual contrition or sufficient contrition, there's no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. The reason Saint Dismas is called Saint Dismas and was forgiven by our Lord on the cross. Is because he had an actual conversion. We'll we'll pick it up. We'll continue on this. This is good stuff. Jesus nine one one talking about deathbed conversions. Get right with Jesus before you die. Don't wait till you're about to die. And that's not a good. That's not a good way to uh, uh, to proceed. Yeah. Be right back. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are back talking about deathbed conversions. Uh, many of us, uh, we, we pray for, we, we all have family members that are living a wretched life, and, and uh, we, we ask that uh, they be converted at least by the end of our, you know, their life. And, and it can happen because we're sharing some powerful stories. You sure could. Ruben, you mentioned about God will not be mocked. Absolutely. Uh, again, John Wayne had a deathbed conversion owing to his sister's sacrifices. So John Wayne is now part of the mystical body of Christ in, in heaven I'm, or or on his way to heaven. But uh, again, there has to be contrition. The reason St. Dismas was forgiven by our Lord on the cross, that's the first deathbed conversion. It's because he had an actual conversion. Which means that he had, he somehow, even though we couldn't see it, or it's not written in the Bible, uh, it, had he been taken down from the cross and lived a longer life, he would have lived that life differently. He would have abandoned his career as a thief because he had a metanoia on the cross, a conversion. Admission to heaven is based on that true conversion. The reality, the requirement that if you're that that if you're going to spring up from your deathbed you would lead a changed life. Not like Voltaire. Voltaire had a fake conversion. Okay? 
it's not enough merely to merely receive the last rites, just as it's not enough to merely go to confession without a real desire and intent to change. In other words, you could just you could nullify the graces of the sacrament because you're just going through because your family says, oh, you, you need to get the last rites. But in your heart, you're saying, this is stupid. I don't want to preach. I don't want this to be done. Yeah. And for those who are thinking in terms of a deathbed conversion for someone, pray, of course. Yeah. Certainly. But more is required of us than just prayer. Placing too much hope in a dramatic come from behind last second spiritual victory. That's not a good thing if it deters us from the path of saying and doing what needs to be done. Ruben? That's right. Uh, when notorious child killer <laughs> Senator Ted Kennedy was dying, secular media made much of the fact that some priest was at his deathbed. But uh, just three days before he died, he issued a letter from that deathbed urging mm. senators to pass Obamacare with its provisions for abortion. And Chuck Schumer even appealed to Kennedy's deathbed letter as inspiration to his fellow senators to honor Kennedy, lauding him as the liberal lion of the Senate. Now, we don't know the final disposition of Kennedy, but no one has ever suggested that before he died, he reversed course on his support for pro-abortion legislation. And here's the question. If Kennedy would have been able to get up off that deathbed and live another few years, would he have changed, let a, a changed life like Dismas, or would he have pulled the Voltaire and gone right back to his sin? So there's, mm. there's nothing anyone knows of to suggest that he would have been dismissed and not Voltaire. We can only hope that through someone's prayers and sacrifices, Kennedy's story was that of John's in his last breath. So eventually a soul commits to one path or another, and we here on earth may not know the commitment, but God does. And likewise, we don't know if or how a soul can or will switch from the path of evil to the path of goodness. But God does. And as we peer into eternity, this is one reason a final judgment is everlasting because God knows if a soul were to be given more time, if it would ever change and turn from the good. Go ahead, Jess. Finish it. If, if Hitler, everyone's favorite example, were to, give, were, to have to, were to have been given an extra, say, 300 years of earthly life, would he have eventually somehow become good? Only God knows the answer to that. But what we do know is that, those of, is that those who are damned, the answer is a resounding no. Let me give you an example of somebody who was damned. Famous Satanist Anton LaVey, right before he died, and the people that were around, they document this. His, his daughter was there. <clears throat> he was, uh, as he was dying, Anton LaVey saw something in the room that scared him. And he screamed and said, I was wrong what I did in this life. What did I do? Who's Anton LaVey? He founded the Church of Satan. Uh, he wrote the Satanic Bible. Uh, he died a few years ago. And again, uh, he said this in front of cameras. You can watch this on YouTube. Apparently, he'd been fooled by the devil all his life. And on his deathbed, he saw the devil and he was going to hell. So again, it's not a good thing for people to say, Reuben, you hear a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to have my, I'm going to sow my oats and I'm going to have fun in this lifetime. And then, uh, you know, at the last minute, I'll get right with God. Not a good way to live. No. The uh, deathbed. Go ahead, Reuben. No, I was just going to say, you know, like you said earlier, you know, the way you live is the way you die. St. Alphonsus Liguori used to say that all the time. 
moral theologian. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The deathbed, either of our, our own or of others, is not the place you want to make that final, your final wager. Live and fight for the faith now while you still can. Remember, across from Dismas, over on the other cross, was the thief who saw the exact same scene as his crime partner, mm-hmm. the, the, the crucified Christ, the Savior of the world. Dismas, Dismas had a deathbed conversion. That's why we call him Saint Dismas. Gestus did not. Again, St. Alphonse of Liguria, just like Ruben said, uh, and many of the church fathers said this, uh, that mo- that all of us will most likely die in the manner in which we have lived. Right. Ru- yeah. And, you know, and um, St. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, um, I'll just read this, because a, a lot of Protestants cite this uh, against Catholicism, but this is a Catholic verse. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the commandment of God, our Savior and Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, his beloved son in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord, as I desired thee to remain at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that um, thou mightest not charge... Oops, I, uh, that's, that's, that's verse uh, 1. It's actually chapter 2. I desire, therefore, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in high station, and that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all piety and chastity. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one meteor of God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a redemption for all a testimony in due times. So we're called to pray, intercede for, for Christ, I mean, for, for our loved ones. And so... It doesn't take away Amen. from Christ. We're joining with Christ, you know, and uh, we we do believe that there's one mediator, but we're all called to be mediators. We're because we're in Christ, you know, we're intercessors, we're mediators with Christ, and um, so it doesn't yeah, take away. Yeah, Ruben, it's only because you you nailed it because we're in Christ. I n in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's why there's a part in the Novus Ordo Mass where the priest prays through Him with him and in him. In other words, the only reason we can pray and have faith and have hope and do acts of charity is because with him, through him, with him and in him. Apart from Jesus, we are nothing. Mm-hmm. But in Christ, uh, like St. Paul says as well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's right. So let's, uh, you know, this is a perfect time of the year during Lent to 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 use our sacrifices, that things that we're doing, going through our, our sufferings, our Lenten penances, to uh, bring back those in our families and our loved ones to to the faith and uh, and reach out to them. You know, uh, don't stay don't stay away from communication with them because you know you know you don't know what they're going through. Maybe and you you make that one phone call just to show that. You know, you're thinking about them, that you love them, and uh, hey, I'm here for you. And uh, sometimes that goes a long way. They, you know, they, you might have called them because you were inspired by by the Holy Spirit to do so, and and uh, and that's exactly what they needed to maybe see. Hey, uh, that there is somebody who cares about me. So um, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop praying for those who who need uh, our prayers. And uh, and even if once you're dead. Because yeah. God, who's outside of time, can take your prayers that you pray right. in the future 
20 years from now, 30, because God knew you were going to pray those prayers. And St. Padre Pio says that God will take your prayers in the future, because God's outside of time, and he will backfill or backload. I'm using construction. He will just take your prayers and apply them retroactively to the moment the person was dying and give them the grace that they need. Now, what they do with that grace is up to them, but at least our prayers continue to provide the grace for the person at the moment they were dying. Jesse, I have a hall, a long list of names that I, I mentioned at Mass that, uh, you know, um, so that they could be, this Mass can be offered for them. And uh, a lot of all the, the guys that we worked with, all the, the guys that I maybe I didn't work with that from the Sheriff's Department that I know died. And uh, I have a whole list of names that, and it, I remember them, and I I don't compartmentalize them in my head. So I I go through all this this list at, at every mass, all my relatives, you know, all the priests that uh, you know that the, the the good priests that I that I know of, and also all the priests that brought me the sacraments, you know, heard my confessions, gave me the Eucharist, uh, whose masses I assisted at. All, all those people I'm praying for, the the Cardinal Manning who confirmed me in the faith. Um. So yeah, like you said, Jesse, God knows that we were going to pray these prayers, and and so keep them coming. Keep Amen. Them coming. Yeah. Ruben, that's exa- Anita does the same thing that you do. She she opens up her cell phone. She has a big old list of people that she prays for at every mass, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I I'm not as detailed as you and Anita. I just say, Lord, you know all the people in my heart that I want to pray for. You know who they are. Uh, you and Anita have a list, so you guys are better better Christians than I am. Got to be specific, Jess. <laughs> I know. Can't I consecrate know. the world. You got to consecrate <laughs> Russia. Specific. You're right. <laughs> I know, and I know that too. Hey, let me just give Saint Augustine the last word. He says, "If you pray well, you will live well. If you live well, you will die well. And if you die well, all will be well." Amen. How can you get any better than that? Nope, you cannot. You cannot. So, hey, Jess, we have, I just want to mention that at our church at San Segundo in Guasti, you know, we're having the great Father Bill Casey coming for a Lenten retreat. Oh, wow. Yeah, April, uh, he'll be there April 3rd uh, at doing all the homilies at Mass, and then uh, 4th, 5th, and 6th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 5 p.m. The Fathers, the, you know, I think he was, the, he still is, I think, uh, the Superior General of the Fathers of Mercy, and uh, he... He's always liked coming out there. Apparently, he's been out there several times. He used to uh, be good friends with Father Marks. So if you're out in the Ontario area, California. Absolutely. You want to go there. He, he's, he's one of the best. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah. All right. Wrap it up, Ruben. All right. You've been listening to Jesus 911. Uh, you like the show, like it and share it with others. And uh, we, we appreciate your patronage because you can be listening to other things. And thank you so much. So stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda, Midwest Command Center. Gary's always got great guests on his show, so let's support him. And uh, we'll see you next week. Jesse will be here tomorrow. God bless. In Christ's channel.